Good morning. Close your eyes, here I am. We're so glad you guys have decided to worship with us uh, this morning. We are launching a brand new series called DNA, and uh, we're going to spend four weeks just getting back to your biology science classes. No, absolutely not. That was when I realized I was not a science person myself as much when I was in biology accelerated when I was a sophomore in high school, and they started talking about DNA, and I thought, yeah, I think I'm more of a music guy. <laughs> and uh, that really shaped a lot of the rest of my, my high school. So we're not going to be talking about uh, science uh, in this series, but we're going to be spending uh, four weeks talking about the unique DNA that we have as a church. And uh, that's the thing about DNA. It's very uh, interesting. All DNA is the same, like 99% is, is the same, but there's 0.01 of that that makes us unique as humans. And that's why you look and around this room, we're, we're different. We look different. Even people from the same family, uh, they have a lot of similarities, but there's differences too. And there's a lot of different churches in this area. There's a lot of churches uh, in our city and surrounding in our, in our country. And in this series, we're looking at well, what makes Ridgeview Church here in North Fontana, in this time, in this place, what makes us unique? What is our uh, DNA? And today, I'm going to be talking about the mission. And that's really where you have to start, talking about our uniqueness. Uh, actually, most churches should have a similar mission uh, to help people come to know Christ. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But maybe the way that they carry that out is different. Maybe the way that that looks is different. And so we hope this series will be a help. If you're a part uh, of Ridgeview and you consider Ridgeview your church home, uh, we hope this will gain, bring some, some clarity to uh, what we're all about. Uh, if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, we hope this series will give a sense of what does it mean to actually uh, follow God into this journey of life? And what does that mean specifically for you and how God made you uniquely as well? So mission, that's what we're talking about today. What are we doing? For any of you science people, DNA looks like this. Here's a little strand of, of DNA. This makes up a person that's a single strand, uh, complete uniqueness that, that we each have. And one of the things that's really important as a church is for us before God, he brings a group of people. And God has actually ordained in this time, before you were born, if you're a part of Ridgeview, that, that you'd be a part of this church before you ever knew it. I believe that. You're here. God has a way of, of weaving the uniqueness of our lives, the specific way he made you, and then he brought us together as a church. And so we're not talking about the uniqueness of, of just you, but the uniqueness of God bringing all of us together at this time for something significant. In fact, something the most significant that you can ever be a part of, and that's God's church. In the church, we have been given the role to represent Christ in every aspect of life. And we're in a time now where we can make a difference here in real time to the people that are longing for hope. And so as we talk about mission today, it's really how can we uniquely go forth with what God's given us to make a difference in our cities? And so as you come and as you're here, I hope that you'll be compelled to ask the question, how does God want me to be on mission in my own life? And how does God want to use you and how does God want to use me in a unique way? Um, I heard one leader say that God doesn't use a photocopier. Like no church is a photocopy of another church. No person is a photocopy of another person. You, you actually are, are unique. And in that, there's this image that you have as an image bearer of God that, that you can offer something in the world that no one can offer just like you. 
And we live in a time where we all want something significant. And people search for it in all sorts of places. But in the church, we actually have the answer for what people are looking for. Your significance is found as you're on mission with the one who made you. And it can make a difference in your life. Eugene Peterson said this, and I like this quote. It says, in the life of faith, each person discovers all the elements of a unique and original adventure. That's what following Christ is. It's an adventure. We are prevented from following in one another's footsteps and are called to an incomparable association with Christ. The Bible makes it clear that every time there is a story of faith, it is completely original. God's creative genius is endless. I just want to read that again. God's creative genius is endless. He never fatigued and unable to maintain the rigors of creativity, resorts to mass-producing copies. Oftentimes when we think of God, we think of him maybe as someone who, who could be distant. And maybe even if he's close, maybe uh, he's, he's very formal because he's God. And he certainly is powerful. And he certainly is almighty. But there's something about God that sometimes we can fail to understand, and that's the creativity he has. But that's one thing that that nature does. When you look at nature, it's supposed to remind us of not only the almighty power creator God, but this sense of like he has this creativity that like a sunset when you see it, no sunset is the same. It's beautiful. And when you go to the ocean and you see not only the power, but the beauty of it, it's this creative creative God that that made all of this happen. And the same creativity that God showed in creation, he he shows uh, in uh, the church. And so what I want to do in this series is talk about our creativity, but there's an important point to creativity. There's not just a free-flowing church. There's actually structure to church. Just like there's a structure to family, there's a structure to your work. There's a structure to everything, even creativity. Because if you don't have structure with creativity, then you actually can't enjoy it because you you can't really get your, your hands around it. So a structure is really important. So the next point is this, is each or every church's uniqueness occurs within a frame. In this series, I want to talk about the frame. The frame, if you could picture like a picture frame, it brings a clarity. And clarity, just like our DNA is contained inside of our body, a frame contains our uniqueness as a church. And in this series, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, when our uniqueness meets clarity, uh, we have vision. So notice that. We're unique. You're unique as a person. As a church, we're unique. We're not exactly like any other church in this area, in the whole entire world either. But when your uniqueness meets clarity, that is when you understand why you were made the way you were made and why God brought us together for a specific person, you actually have a tremendous amount of direction for life. Like you're not just trying to explore why you're here. You you have this path to walk on. You have a boundary for which your life exists. And in that boundary, there's a tremendous amount of blessing. And that's what the frame brings. And so I want to just talk about these questions of clarity that we're going to be talking about in this series to kind of unpack for us to see our unique DNA as a church. And and here they are, the five irreducible questions of clarity. The first one, that's what we're going to talk about today. What are we doing? Have you ever been in a situation, and maybe you're in a family life, and you're planning like a fun family day together, and then you get at that point where all sorts of people in this family that's trying to enjoy this fun day together, they just look at each other and like, what are we doing? And you realize like nobody in the family really knows. That's called a family vacation. (laughs) And you spend a lot of money on them. 
but sometimes it's so stressful and there's conflict because nobody knows what they're doing. There's, there's no vision. There's no kind of, here's what our goal is. And so this is what the mission is. What are we doing? The second question, uh, why are we doing it? That question is very important. It's the why behind the what. And we need to answer that as a church. The third, uh, how are we doing it? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? Number four, when are we successful? As a church, in our uniqueness, how God has made us, when do we know that we're successful? That is one of the hardest questions people ask me as a pastor. How's your church doing? What would you feel if I said I had no idea? Right, like it's very hard to ask. Like in business, uh, you could look at maybe uh, your, your finances. It's surely an indicator. You could look at how many customers that you grew or retained. Your sales projections, like you could look at all, all sorts of things, but in a church, we're dealing with something that, that's spiritual, that actually can't completely be measured by just a certain slice of time because things happen over decades. But it's still an important question, so we're gonna answer that as well. And then last, where is God taking us? That's the specific vision that we have for this specific time. So we're gonna answer all five of these questions, and the first one starts with the mission. The mission, and here's the frame that I, I mentioned. You could see the mission, the strategy, the values, and the measures. We're gonna talk about each one of those each week of this series. Uh, but today we're gonna start on the right-hand side where you say uh, the mission. And the mission is what are we doing? What are we doing as a church? And when you know the mission, you know the what, that actually leads to everything else becoming more clarified. Because when you have the mission, you realize to the extent that we do the things that we do because it's about the mission. But if you don't have the mission, it kind of undermines and undercuts everything that we do. Because we wanna be a mission-driven, mission-focused church. It has to be about the mission, what God's called us to. And so I wanna to clarify that. Uh, if you look on the front of your, there you see the frame. If you look at the front of your program, there's an image and you should see that there's a, a compass. You guys see the compass on the front of your, your program? Uh, the compass uh, represents uh, the mission as like it, it guides us. It, it guides us as a church. Just like a compass sets a true north, you need a compass to know the direction that you need to be headed in. That's really important. The mission is like our compass. It sets our true north. That's the direction God is leading us. That's the direction we wanna go. And so when you think mission, think compass. It leads us forward in a specific uh, direction. So what is our mission here at Ridgeview Church? Well, it's in a short statement, and here it is. Inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. We came up with that mission statement in the spring of 2018 before we ever moved to North Fontana. We came up with this mission statement before we ever held our first service. We actually came up with this mission statement before we had a logo for our church. We came up with this before we even had a church that existed yet. And the reason this is important is because this had to fuel everything else we did. Inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. I wanna go through this word by word, but it's actually gonna be like a, a pyramid where I'm gonna be going backwards. So I wanna start with 
the, the foundation of our mission. And that's the last two words, in Christ. And so I'm gonna just unpack each part of our mission so you can see like this is what we're doing. And then in the following weeks, we'll get into the why and the when and, and all sorts of things. But let's start with that. So the first, it starts with in Christ. And there's an image of the pyramid. Again, it's the foundation. The foundation of any mission of a church and really the foundation of the mission of your life, it has to be in Christ. He has to be the foundation of any mission that you have because he holds it all together. He holds life in his hands. First Timothy 2 says this, for, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. So I wanna kind of pinpoint that word mediator. A mediator is why in Christ is so important. And what that speaks to is, is that there's a problem. A mediator comes into a situation when there's a problem between two people. Well, our problem, if you're human, is, our, is, is with God. Like if you're human, our problem is, is with him. And the problem is, is we, we sin. Now, you're unique and are unique, and, and I'm unique, but we're actually all the same when it comes to sin. Now, you sin maybe a little bit differently than I sin, but we all have the same problem. And because we all have the same problem, we all need a mediator. That is somebody who steps in to try to reconcile, to try to deal, and try to resolve the problem that we have. But the issue with sin is you actually can't reconcile it yourself. I don't know if you've ever struggled with being uh, in debt. You know, being in debt can be something that's like a chain around your neck. And there's times when we need help with people to help us with our, with our spending. We need somebody on the outside to look in and say, you know, you might wanna cut that and you might wanna trim that and you can't drive anymore because if you drive... <laughs> you guys been to the gas station? I'm not gonna get started on that, although I did. But she's like, yeah, if you wanna stay within your budget, you, you get a bike and you ride that everywhere now, right? But you, you have to do things differently. But the issue with sin is just like a person who's trying to get out of debt, but they keep getting in debt. So the more they get out of it, they just keep getting in it more. They don't get ahead. They don't, they don't get that space because they're spending and their patterns don't change. And with sin, it's the same. We can't be the mediator to God because we keep sinning. We're trying to solve the problem as we're sowing more seeds of the problem. And over time, they just keep sprouting up and there's more problems. And so what the scripture is saying is, is that you need somebody to reconcile and the one mediator, capital M there, is the man, Christ Jesus. And notice what it says this next. He gave his life. The only way that sin can be reconciled is for somebody to die. The wages of sin is death, according to scripture. That's the only way it can be paid. So God, in his love, knew that, sent a mediator, Christ, who paid the ransom, the payment as the mediator. He didn't come up with the solution that he was the solution. And he paid the penalty. He paid the price. And because of him, all the mission of our church is hinged to him in Christ. 
He's the only one that forgives us. He's the only one that allows the payment of our sin to be paid. He's the only one that can solve the problem that we have with God. He gets us out of the debt spiritually that we have. Now, what's really interesting is that this is not just an idea. This actually happened in history. This is what we will celebrate on Easter. That the man Christ Jesus, who the scripture's talking about, he came to this earth. Thousands saw him. Thousands saw him die. Thousands saw him in the tomb, put there. And thousands saw him resurrected again to new life. So when we talk about our mission and in Christ, he was a person who came in history to deal with a problem that we all have. He died for our sake and he rose again. And no one can do what he did. Now there's many people that claim to be some sort of God. Even at Jesus' time, Caesar Augustus, he claimed like he was this God, but he did not die and resurrect. He did what no one else can do. So I can learn about all sorts of things, but I have to make a decision about Jesus. And for us as a church, it's always about in Christ. How do we point people to him? Because everyone's looking for a payment for their sin. Do you know that? Every single one of us on the face of the earth are looking at some sort of way for us to amends because we feel the weight of sin. We feel the weight of past. We feel the weight of bad decisions. We actually struggle with discouragement and guilty conscience. We, we struggle with all these things and they weigh on us and the world says, well, pay it this way. Just make more money, be successful. And it doesn't work because no amount of money can pay for your sin. Because you don't pay for sin physically you pay for sin spiritually through the person of Jesus who spilled his blood and was the perfect sacrifice for us all. And so we don't have to look anywhere else for this to be paid. We, we can find it in Christ. But there's more. There's a certain type of life that you can have when you decide to follow Jesus. And that leads to the next part of our mission. And that is we wanna invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ, what type of life? Refreshing life. Our one word to describe our church, we went through a consultant process to come up with our vision as a church. This was in early 2018. And they said, come up with one word that defines your uniqueness as a church. And after prayer and working through things, we came up with the one word, which was refreshing. We wanna be a church that is rooted in Christ, but that is refreshing to all who come. Because I think that we're in a time where people long for refreshment and they look for it in all sorts of places, but they long for a sense of, of vitality and that's what refreshing means. There's a definition up here. There's it on the pyramids. Refreshing, having the power to restore freshness, vitality, energy, pleasingly fresh or different. Now I look at those words, I don't know, when I read those words, freshness, I'm like, I feel that. You guys feel that? Like you just read freshness and it's like, that's fresh. Remember when fresh was a cool word? Okay, that's vitality. Okay, vitality. It's, you kind of read that where you're like, I, I don't really know what it means, but yeah, it sounds good. But then energy, you're like, I need energy. Freshness, vitality, energy. And then pleasingly fresh or different. Like I just need something different in my life. You know how many times people say that? I just need something different. What that means is I've tried to find refreshment here and it didn't 
didn't happen. I tried to find refreshment here, and it didn't happen. I need something different. Do you know how many people change their life for something different? It happens all the time, every day. I gotta change. I need something different. What they're looking for is refreshment. They're looking for something that, that can help them. Uh, about a month ago, I went to Glen Ivy Spa for my wife's birthday. You guys ever been there? Dude, a spa, man. A spa's where is it at? Where it is at. <laughs> I need something different. I need to know how to talk, right? But, but I went to the spa, and I just looked at all these people, and, and, you know, I didn't really see any person walking around the spa with a frown on their face. Try to find somebody. Well, they're just like, you know, it may smell like sulfur and rotten egg, but I still got a smile on my face. If you've been to Glen Ivy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, really? We're paying to go and boiled eggs. Like, sorry, I'm ruining the spa experience for some of you. But, but you know, you're feeling like fresh and, and everyone's walking around and you're kind of feeling good and you're relaxed. But then you know what happens? You leave. And then you get on the 15 on a Friday when we went. And it was like, I, can we stay here? Can we stay at the spa? No, sir, you have to leave. It closes. And I think that's the picture of refreshment for most people. It's, it's like something that you experience in a little snapshot of time, vacation, little peace, little reprieve, and you have it, and then it's gone. And you're just chasing something different. But because the root and the foundation is Christ, the refreshing life is tied to Christ. It's not tied to circumstances. It's not tied to your success. It's not tied to your wherewithal. It's not tied to your, to your talent, your skill, your intelligence. It's tied to Christ. And that refreshing life never fades. It's rooted in him. When I was praying about where to plant Ridgeview, and as we're talking about the DNA, this goes into kind of like our whole history as a church. Like, who are we and why are we here? All those questions that I was asking. And as we settled on this area of North Fontana, I kept coming to this, this place where I saw an area where it's growing. New people are moving in. And they're buying their home that they always dreamed of. And they get the, the good school district and they have a dog. Everyone has a dog. That's what I noticed when I moved here. Everyone has a dog. Everyone. But you finally, you have, you have your dog and you, you, have, you have your kids and your, your family's growing and you're finally at a place where you've had everything you've ever wanted. But it's still not refreshing. Because you can get a great house, and you can have a great yard, and you can have a good job, and you can have a great family. And you can have fun, and you can go on vacations. But if you don't have Christ, the refreshment is still just a sliver of life. And it fades. And as I was reading the scripture and, and just asking for God to give me a vision for this church, I, I was reading through the book of Jeremiah and I came to the scripture, chapter 10, verse 14, and it says this. Everyone is senseless and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. His images are a fraud. They have no breath in them. When I read that scripture, this was written to the Old Testament people. And he's talking about the people that turn away from God, that don't put their trust in him, that are on their own, doing life their own way. And when I read that, it was like God said, this is the people you're trying to reach. 
and it just, it pierced my heart. Because they're senseless and without what? Knowledge. They're lost. They have no way, talking about the compass, they have no way of knowing the direction to go. They don't know north in their life. They're lost. They're in circles. And then it goes a step further. It's like this goldsmith is creating an idol that you worship. And I think to myself, how many times do we as people create things that we worship because we long for something bigger than ourselves? We long for something to pursue. We're made to worship. God made us that way. But just like a goldsmith that makes his idols, he's shamed by it. And I think that's all of us without Christ. There's a point of which we know we're made for something more. And we can worship all sorts of things, but if it's not Christ, we get to this part where it's shame. It's empty. It's not what we want. And then his images are a what? A fraud. They're meaningless. And they have no breath in them, the opposite of vitality, the opposite of freshness. Literally, it's suffocated. Isn't that such a great picture? Do you think people are suffocated today? Yeah. Because they're worshiping something other than Christ, period. So the refreshing life, this is what compels me, the reality of people. And we've all been here. And even if, as a Christian, we can still put our eyes towards things that are worthless. There's always a pull to go and worship idols instead of God. But this is, is what compels me. And I was reading further, Jeremiah 12, chapter 13. They have sown wheat, but harvested thorns they have exhausted themselves, but have no profit. This is now talking about expectation. People want to build a life, and they want the vitality and freshness and refreshment that comes from only following Christ, but they're not following him. But they want the same refreshment. And what the writer is saying here is like, you can't have the same life outside of Christ that you can in Christ. We're seeing that in the world. But everyone has the same expectation. God made us again. He made us to have this full, abundant, refreshing life. But people, they sow wheat, but they harvest thorns. It means that they, they keep plugging away, trying to bring the results of good fruit in their life, but they're not using the right seeds. God's not helping them grow the right fruit because they're not turning to him. They're not asking him for help. And then as I read this, they have exhausted themselves but have no profit. That to me is the, the human condition. It's not a lack of busyness or effort. It's just investing your whole life in the wrong thing. This compels me because I want everyone that I encounter and everyone who comes to Ridgeview Church to not get to this point where they look and say, wait a second, why didn't you tell me I was harvesting thorns why don't you tell me that my effort was just gonna exhaust me and bring nothing? We have a duty as a church to point to the refreshing life that everyone longs to can only come in Christ. So in Christ, refreshing life. And then another part of our mission is we want everyone to experience, to experience. Now, if you grew up in church, you've had various experiences 
in church? Has anyone had bad experiences in church? We could have a whole support group, I'm sure, right? We all have experiences in church. We have experiences with church people. In fact, the whole world has some sort of an experience or an idea of what the church is. So it's not talking about past experiences or encounters or circumstances, bad things or good things. It's actually talking about the kind of Christian life that's supposed to be lived. That is, that we don't just think ideas about God. We don't think conceptually about God. We're not just focused on filling our mind with knowledge. We want to see God lived out in real life. And it starts with us. We wanna take God at his word. We wanna experience him come through when we step out in faith to do what he says. The Christian life is an experience. Another book that's been tremendously helpful to me as a pastor when I started Ridgeview is the book of Isaiah. Jeremiah and Isaiah were my go-tos just for revision and clarity. And Isaiah 41 talks about this experience. The poor and needy search for, wa- for water. So this, this is like a picture. It could be, be physical, but it, it could also be spiritual, right? Because if you've exhausted yourself and you have no profit, you're poor spiritually. Your poor purpose, meaning. So the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But notice this. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched grounds into springs. I wanna challenge you. Anytime you kind of drive around this area, you ever look out and you're like, oh my goodness, it's so dry and rocky and barren. You ever do that? (laughs) Me neither, never done that in my life. But it's easy, you go and then you go up to 15 and you're going to, you know, towards the Vegas area, you're like, man, we're in the middle of a desert. And then you try to grow grass in the summer, and you're like, yeah, we really are. But this scripture challenges me. It's the promise of what God does in the middle of these dryness that we experience, and and not just the terrain, the atmosphere of which we live, but the dryness of our life. What do people long for? They want to actually work for something that will bring them the refreshment they long for, and the experience that people can have as they pursue Christ, and he brings refreshment, is that no matter the dryness that they've had in their, their past, no matter all the things that they've pursued, it's never too late to experience Jesus. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. God accepts you exactly where you are and he wants to give you an experience where the dryness of your heart, the dryness of your mind, the dryness of your life is transformed by the springs that God brings through Christ. And the scriptures uh, goes further, I think in verse 19, it says, I will put in the desert, the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. So anytime you read this, you're like, yeah, that's, that's, 
that's cool. You ever read stuff and you're like, you're not quite, it's, it's this idea of like from this dryness to things that are growing. It's like entering a, a forest with trees. You ever, like sometimes in Southern California, you ever go to an area that's like a forest? You're like, whoa, what's that? That is a tree. Whoa, it's green. What's that? That's growth. Like we, we forget this, but it's a sense, like in the Old Testament, there's so much desert that they would get to these places where there's a spring in the middle of the desert because of the water source, this beautiful spring with all sorts of things that grow sprouts up and they rest there. They get their refreshment there. The desert has not changed, but there's water right where they are. And that's what the scripture's talking about, a life given to God. I will set pines in the wasteland. That's my prayer for our church, that we will be pines in the wasteland. That God will raise us up of people that have a water source in the refreshing life of Christ. Not that he's gonna change everything. He's like around us, there's circumstances are still gonna be the same, but that we'll be pines full of growth and vitality. The fir and the cypress together so that people may see and know, may consider and understand. So experience, see, they see it, it's real. People have life that I want and it's genuine and it's real. And I see it in that group at Ridgeview Church. They can see it. Not only can they see it, they can know it's verified. Their life backs it up. They may consider, think about it intelligently and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. This is beautiful. This is the goal and the role of the church. How can we in the middle of the wasteland of people who are parched and have exhausted themselves, how can we be something that brings life that's only found in the person of Christ? It says, the Lord will answer. I think that's in the the previous. Can you go back to that previous slide? Their tongues are parched, but I, the Lord, will answer them. So this assumes a question, and that is that they have cried out. They've cried out to God. They've turned to God. So the question is, how do they cry out to him? How do they ask him for help? And this leads to the last part of our mission, inviting people. Go back to that pyramid. You'll see it all come together. So inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. It starts here. When you give your life to Christ, you surrender to him. He becomes the core of your life. He's your boss. He calls the shots. You can experience refreshment, refreshment you've longed for. And it's a real experience that people can see in the middle of the desert. But how will they know? How can they turn to him? Well, they have to be invited. And that's our role in the mission. We have to invite. We can't give the refreshment. We can't do what Christ can do. We can't even provide people an experience. They have to experience it. But we can invite. That's our role. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This was actually the first sermon I ever did. Funny story. I'm getting older now, so I just save funny stories just 
I'm that guy now. <laughs> it was the first sermon I ever did, and I had the smallest font Bible ever. And I started to preach and realized I couldn't see. And I was like 19 years old, and I'm like, I can't even see the scripture. I'm supposed to, anyways, it was, so I think of that every time. There's a lot of meaning, but I do think of that as well. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now notice the theme again. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So remember, in Christ, the mediator, right? The only one who can mediate. The only one who can reconcile. But notice what he does to those who've been reconciled. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What that means is if you've experienced the refreshing life in Christ, as God has stepped in and forgiven you, you now have a role to play if you're a Christian, that you invite people to the same life you've experienced. We live in a time where it's like, I do me, you do you. But you do you. A Christian, you cannot say that. We don't want people just to exhaust themselves and reap thorns. We want them to experience this life. So God gave us, through Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Is it an option to share the difference that Jesus made in our life? It depends. How do you view he has committed to us? It depends if you take that seriously. If you take it seriously, it means he's given that to you. You are a steward to manage that. That's what Christ has given us. The reconciliation. We can be a part of the message of that, communicating that, letting people know that that is real. That should be the thing that propels us and, and moves us forward. God commits this critical part to us. And it's an experience as much as it is the content. What's God want us to be? He wants us to be pines in the wasteland. Trees of life in the middle of a barren world. And so when people see the tree of life that God has given you as your life is different, the worst thing we could do is like, yeah, thanks. And we need to be compelled. But you know why I'm like this way? You know why I, I, I change my life around? You don't wanna know what I was like 20 years ago. You don't wanna know what I was like five years ago. But you know what? My life has changed because of Jesus. I'm a different person. And you are really glad that that is the case. That's what people need to hear. You wouldn't like me if you knew me back then. You wouldn't wanna be around me. It's like making so much of Christ because of what he's done. Inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. That's our role. Now there's lots of implications to that. It certainly means that we need to keep pursuing the life that we have in him. If you're a follower of Christ, you pursue that life by continuing to get time with God. Allow his word to speak to you. That's where your vitality, your freshness comes from. He guides you forward. He comes through. You do what he says and he doesn't rip you off and you've now have an experience. 
that God will use. And there's some of you that maybe you've never decided to follow Christ. And you've been looking for that refreshment. You're trying to find refreshment in the desert where there's no spring. And it could be in a relationship with somebody. This person will bring me the refreshment and you're digging in the desert to try to find the spring and there's nothing. And maybe it's career or it's money or it's in your family or it's in your self-worth or your self-understanding. Or if I just get this degree and this job, I'll be fine. I'll find the spring in the desert. But outside of Christ, there is no spring. There's just sand and dryness. So I want to encourage you, if you've never decided to follow Christ, the scriptures say today is the day of salvation. It's never too late, and you can choose today. I don't want to search for that vitality and refreshment anywhere else. It's only found in Christ. There's lots of things that can prevent you from making that decision. It's hard to change. It's hard to give up the things that we love, those idols that we make for ourselves. We could feel foolish. I give my life to Christ, it means I'm a completely different person. Yes, but as you do that, that tree of life begins to sprout. And you now have shade. You have blessing that can help you the rest of your life. And so if you never decide to follow Christ, I encourage you to take that choice, to make that step. Decide to do that. When Ben talked about baptism, that's why we celebrate baptism. It's because people have decided that I am died to my old way of trying to find refreshment outside of Christ. I'm not going to do that anymore. I've turned my back on that. I'm now going to find the fullness of life in Christ. The reconciliation is complete. The old has gone. The new has come. This is a big deal. In fact, it's eternity. Everything hangs in the balance. And so that's why it's a church. We want to clarify baptism and we want to celebrate baptism because it's actually our mission being lived out in people. And it's beautiful. So if you've never been baptized, you can take that step. And if you've never decided to follow Christ, you can take that step. So there's a few ways you can indicate you're ready to do that. Let's go to the next steps as the band comes up. Put that slide up. The first is decide to choose refreshing life in Christ for the first time. If you just kind of sense, like, I've, I've been searching all sorts of places and I've never done that, you can make that choice today. We're a church that we want to welcome all sorts of people, unchurched, non-Christian, never had an experience with Christ before. The experience can start today as you decide to follow him. So to let us know, you just mark on your connection card. I think there's a place. Contact me about following Jesus. We want to help you experience him. And we'll, we'll follow up with you. And then the second next step is related to our mission. Pray for and think through who you can be inviting. This could be, I need to just have some conversations with people in my life. I need to actually go out of my way to bridge to those that are in my neighborhood, coworkers. Like, I need to invite them in my home. Why would I ever do that? Because if you have a refreshing life in Christ, you need people to see it. They need to see that you have a vitality that they want. It's through people. It's through an experience. It's not from a distance. You may want to invite them to, to church, like Ben mentioned, to Easter or a fun gathering that, that we have as a church or get some people together. But just think through, just start, that. what's my role? The message of reconciliation. Practically inviting, inviting people into my life, investing in them. Why? 
Because if we can be a part of the reconciling of somebody who's cut off from God and can reconnect to him and find forgiveness of their sin, is there anything better in the world? Absolutely not. Because we're talking about real people whose lives and destiny can change. So this is our mission. What are we doing? This is it. We want everything in church and everything, what we do to come around this. And next week, we're gonna talk about our values as a church, uh, the why. Why are we doing it? So I hope you'll join us next week. I'm gonna close out in prayer. We're gonna sing a song back to God. We're gonna receive our offering. And if I've never met you, I'd love to meet you uh, after uh, the service. And if you're, again, interested in baptism and you're not sure where to go, uh, find an usher. Uh, They'll help you get to the overview that you need to be at. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which gives us the clarity of our purpose and meaning and even points out the problem that we have. But you're such a faithful God that you don't leave us with a problem. You actually give us a solution. And that's your son, Jesus. And in Christ, we can experience life to its fullness. And in Christ, we can experience refreshment. God, thank you for for saving us, for those who decide to follow you. Thank you for not counting what we've done against us, that through Christ we have been forgiven and we are washed clean. I pray for anyone here who's feeling the guilt of their decisions and their life and their choices. God, that they may see that that forgiveness is available to them as well. So right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will call people forward to decide to follow you for the first time. And Lord, as a church, will you put it and burn on our hearts the opportunity that we have to invite those around us. Give us eyes to see people that we've not even considered and help us to be people who are stewards of the message and ministry of reconciliation that you wanna do on this earth. Thank you for including us in this. In the name of Jesus, I pray.